She's wasted drunk, but she kept going, bounce them hi-hats, boy, bounce them hi-hats. You ain't doing it right. I I know drummers. <laughs> and so finally he, he kept saying, by God, let it come on, get off me. And I finally asked her what her name was, and she said her name was Chunky Beaver. <laughs> but, but, but we could call her Mudfish. <laughs> Thank you. That's all, that's all I'm going to say, but Chunky oh. Beaver, Chunky Beaver, Mudfish. How you doing? Welcome to another podcast of Something in the Water with Uncle Dave Griffin and Sean Clark, Justin Mercer from Caution Light Media, and uh, our guest today is Mr. Ty Manning, Reverend Ty Manning. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Originally from Waynesville or no? Nahuna, I, I, I was, I was, I guess I was. My mom, we lived in Nahuna, Georgia, when I was born. But I was actually born in Waycross. I've been saying that my whole life. And I, I thought I was I always told people that I was delivered by the same doctor that delivered Burt Reynolds. But then I found out Burt Reynolds is like from Michigan or something. That was a lie. My life my life is a lie. You and Bert, you and Bert lying about way across. Well, that must be why we uh, we get along so good. You was born in Waycross. Yep. That's good. Uh matter of fact, we share a lot of commonalities. Uh all three of us do. Uh uh, we're all musicians. Yep. We all got beards. Well, kind of. <laughs> we all write songs. We're all reverends. Oh, reverends. Yeah. Check this out. On paper. On paper. I got mine, too. Hey. Dun, dun, dun. Wait just a second. Photo op. Wait just a second. I can't find mine. No, I got, uh, I got ordained to marry off the Hanson girl, and uh, I don't know about y'all, but my day gig, they found out I was ordained to officiate weddings, and I've done about 31 of them. Oh, man. You've done more than I <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I like doing it, man. It's pretty uh, pretty cool to be a part of the family. I mean, <clears throat> if you're living right and doing things the right way, most people want you to be a part of their special day anyway, at least. In the, but then there's uh, to be to be asked to officiate the wedding, it's, it's a... It's an honor. It's an honor, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a, an honor you can't explain until you're doing it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So who was the first of us? Was it you or you? I don't know. I, I did it uh, to marry my cousin Brandon Doty, and I don't remember what year about, it was. Uh, and my, my first wedding was Christy Hanchy. Yeah. I think uh, this she was still looks like she's 15. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how old Hanchy is. I can't remember my first wedding, but I did marry you. In the Georgia Theater in Athens, that was a yeah, that, that was, was a hoot. Married and too. I married you too, so I'm glad and we I got plan to marry show. this guy back here. Yeah. So I'm, right, as bro. far as the Something in the Water podcast goes, I'm th- going to be three <laughs> for three. He's <laughs> married everybody in the room. <laughs> so uh, I still got to pay alimony to him since we got the pool. So not that we're anywhere near. <laughs> yeah, I guess your record's not going too well. <laughs> Not that we're anywhere near a minister or anything. We're 
we it's like Ty yeah, the, performed uh, me and my wife's uh, renewal vows mm-hmm. at Swamp Town Get Down in 2013, I believe it was. Was that 13? And uh, <clears throat> and after it was over, he called me to the side and he said, I want you to marry me uh, later on this year. And uh, I said, man, I can't do that. I don't know how to do all that. He said, <laughs> it's easy. You just go to the internet, www. <laughs> <laughs> chickenclaws.com or something like that. And uh, and I did, and I, I got my little badge, my card. Get a parking and, space. And too. parking permits and all kinds of I didn't uh, get any parking permits. sample uh, wedding uh, vows, marriage licenses, all that came in a big package. And uh, You can also do funerals. Have either one of y'all done a funeral? I have not. I do not want any part of that. I've, I've played about three or four funerals. But I've I played at them. Officiated any of them? Yeah, never <clears> officiated <throat> one. I don't know if I could, but uh, so we do have a lot in common with one another. Mm-hmm. We've oh, yeah. known each other a long time. Yeah, me and Ty. I forget how many years. <laughs> no, that's oh, yeah. that many. But we got to tell the story about us meeting. I think it was at Music Corner, wasn't it? With with Toby Harris. Yeah. Did he work there? Yeah, he worked there. Yeah, we met, uh, the night I met him, we were at Music Corner, and I, I think I had <clears throat> just bought a green Ibanez guitar. That's how long ago it was. But I, or I, I was playing, we were playing around with Toby jamming, and Toby's like, we're going to close up this place and go jam at my house. We, let's all go. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And, I was like, and then I had just met John, and he's yeah. like, well, just get in the car and ride with me. And we were driving across the Waycross, and it was doing that sunshine and raining at the same time thing that they do down here. The roads were slick, and they went around. I don't even remember what road it was. Where you used driving. to go, used to go to get your, uh, where you used to go to get your driver's license when I was in high school, at least. Around the we, airport road, the airport road, airport it was road, this yeah. big, cur- yeah. big curve, and uh, that we hydroplaned, and we went around about five times. We went off the side of the road, and I'm like, I think we're gonna die. This is this this is not a good way to start. It was and, a long time, uh, but we went around and we hit. You know how the telephone poles have the big guide wires. My car hit exactly, my little Bonneville I had, it hit exactly on the, the tire. The rubber of the tire hit the guide wire, and it went, and it, we went about five times this way, and then about five times this way, landed up exactly where we were, and we started. And we just kept going down the road. And I was like, how did that happen? And I guess some, some higher power wants us to jam together. So That's right. They had plans. <laughs> and here we are now. Yeah. What year do you think that was? You said you were 16 earlier 16, when you were talking about so, it. So, 92, 91. Oh, wow. Almost. I've known you forever. 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. 20, almost Raises. 20 years. 90 or 91, probably. Yeah. Yep. So was that before all your bands, like Gravy and... Yeah, I was just learning how to play guitar. Um, Man, that's nuts. Yeah, I'd, I'd started playing guitar at 15, so I know I wasn't in a band at that point. Uh, uh, probably wasn't long after that. Had a little garage band. How about your uh, beginnings? What about your beginnings? Oh, Lord. Was it, was it a, a gift, a guitar as a Christmas present? or? Well, actually, I... My musical, my family's really, with my family at the time was, they loved music. My mom and dad listening to everything from 
I mean, anything that was on the radio back when I in the seventies when I was little. But country radio back in the seventies is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we used to have a Delta eighty eight Cadillac, and I got three sisters, and so I always got thrown in the very, very back, facing backwards. <laughs> and uh, I would, they would always put the, my dad would always put the speakers on in the back. So I was just getting all this country gold my, when I was little. Even if I didn't like it, I was getting it. Yeah. That and like station wagon exhaust. <laughs> <clears throat> but I, I, I didn't really think about it until later after, you know, later on when I, people were asking me about how my musical taste started. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I, I knew all the words to George Jones songs and Conway Twitty songs in, before I even knew who the hell Conway Twitty and George Jones were. And then... But my first first time I got a guitar, I was in junior high in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I was I used to ride the school bus with this guy named Danny. He was a, well with a lot of people, but my good buddy, who next door neighbor, is named Danny, and he had a cassette tape. I think it was Motley Crue or something. <laughs> and he's like, "Listen to this," and I was like, "What in tarnation is this?" And I was like, "I love it." And so like we would get we would like. Yeah, get out of school, okay. and he'd have this big boombox on the shoulder, all the cheesy junk. We'd walk around the walk around the neighborhood listening to hard rock. And I remember uh, all the cheesy bands like Dawkins and Winger and all that stuff. Mm. But I was like, we got to start as a band. Was like, oh, there's a couple dudes at school that had a band. They're actually touring around now, still making a living doing it too. Uh, Clinton, Corey, Lowry, all the seven us guys and stuff. So we're like, we need to start a band to get some chicks. So. Uh, we started a band called Phobia, and this is what's really crazy. We didn't even have instruments, but we just <laughs> okay. started telling people. I, was, I could draw. I've always been an artist, so I drew up like this logo. Back in the '80s, you had to have a big, like way you wrote your band name and all this CD <laughs> junk. So I wrote Phobia. Your greatest fear awaits you. I made us drew pictures of us. We even made T-shirts, and I don't know. It was just really cheesy. <laughs> but then I was like, then people started asking us, when y'all playing? At some point you got Yeah, like some point we play. had to learn, you know. But I was like an army brat, so we moved around a lot. So I was like, when phobia never really came to be. But then I moved to South Georgia. And I, by then I had a guitar. My mom bought me one from the catalog, <clears throat> Sears catalog. And it was one of those lightning bolt things that goes in every direction. Mm-hmm. It was you know, hard rock guitar. And I moved to South Georgia and I was playing all these cheesy riffs. I, I couldn't ever do a, couldn't do a whole song. I just played riffs. Mm-hmm. And then I got down, or actually I lived in Alabama for a little while. I met some people in Alabama. And we actually had a band called Little Gypsy, which is sort of like what Phobia should have been. Right. And then I only lived there for a year, so then I moved to South Georgia. And I ended up in Brantley County, and it was like culture shock because I'm like, <laughs> I went from army towns to living in the woods. <laughs> and then that's when all the knowledge of uh, all this country knowledge that I had before, because they were the people like, you don't know any good music. And I'm like, well, I I, I kind of know that song. I tried to learn it. And then I met Paul Lee. And y'all both know Paul Lee. Mm-hmm. I met Paul Lee. And he was the marching band guy. So I got in the marching band. And I think me and Paul started a band. Actually, I think my first band in Waycross Toby, the same guy that we went to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, before I started. I met Paul, but I hadn't had a, Paul, a band with Paul yet. Yeah. But I met Toby, and then me and Toby started a band, and we called it Phobia because I already had a logo and T-shirts <laughs> made. Oh, yeah. And we played the Ritz Theater across from where Crosstown Music used to yeah. be. And uh, it was just, that was my first taste of playing on stage <laughs> somewhere. 
And um, I think that night we opened up for Diamond Jack, which was Skip Sasser and Tony Kaysen. So I mean, I I've been connected to Waycross pretty much my whole life. Yeah. But musically, my first my my first real show was in Waycross with a bunch of Waycross people that are. You know, and uh, the Paul from Lee from Waycross. The Paul Lee that you speak of is also from Brantley County, and y'all oh, yeah. y'all were in high school together. Yeah, and, I think uh, uh, he's uh, now the road man tour manager, uh, monitor, mixer, just about everything you can imagine for Blackberry Smoke. Oh yeah, and he was originally uh, uh, the sound man for uh, Leon Russell. As well, and before that, he was my boss at Crosstown Music <laughs> for a few years. Yeah, and, my boss too. And uh, so, uh, so after after Phobia, the Waycross band, <laughs> uh, you start up a band probably with Paul, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Phobia was a one time, one and done band. I think a couple of the people that were in Phobia started other bands. Because back then there was, I mean, there's always been some kind of music scene going in Waycross. Always. Because there's nothing else to do here, I guess. No, but I lived in Brantley <laughs> County. I remember, uh, it's weird. Looking back now, you realize all these little things that happen. You're like, that's why this happened. And, mm -hmm. But I, I met Paul in my art class. Because I've always, I like I like art. I guess you'll probably know my life. The people on here. You're an art teacher now. I teach art now, which <laughs> is kind of crazy. art teacher. But I met my best buddy, Paul, in, in art class. And just talking about music, he loved music. But Paul came to music a different way. Paul was like, he knew how to read music, and he, he was this, like, band first chair guy. And he, I think he was a, he was a drum he major a in drum the band. Major. He was, like, this main guy. Nerd. And I was, he wasn't a nerd. He was, he was cool. He tight-rolled his green jeans and had Reebok Velcros on. He knew what's up. But he, but he was, like. You hear he, that, Paul? <laughs> no, nah, he was. No, nah, Paul was cool. And I was, like, Paul was, like. You got to teach me how to play that guitar. I was like, all right. So I said, let's do it. And so we went to his house and um, trailer out in Hortense. And I remember them giving me directions. They're like, go to the red light turn at the, or turn at the paved road. I'm like, which paved road? They're like, there's only one. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Now, when I get to Paul's house and his dad had this like little harmony guitar, like this piece of junk with a little fake Bigsby on it. Yeah. And I taught Paul, this is no lie. I taught Paul how to play Iron Man and Paranoid, two Black Sabbath songs. And I was like, well, man, he, and then he, you know, he's halfway getting it. And uh, he's like, cool. And so he, I said, you practice that. And we'll come over tomorrow. I'll bring my guitar and we'll, we'll make this, we'll, we'll do it again. Yeah. And then before I could see Paul again, his dad, Tater, had taken him to the <laughs> store. And Paul came back with the bass. Wow. I'm like, Paul, that's the bass. <laughs> I was going, you're going to get a guitar. He goes, well, Dad says I should play bass instead of guitar, because then we amazing. could have then we could have a band. Yeah. So then I so I talked. By then, Paul goes, check this out. This <laughs> <laughs> like slap bass. I'm like, what are you doing? I, like I taught him paranoid, and next thing you know, he's like playing higher ground by the Chili Peppers. You're like, how is this possible? He goes, well, it's just the bass cliff, and I played the Barry sax, and I, just, I made it and figured it out, and this guy gave me this CD, and I'm like, whoa. Let me put some metal flake tape on your bass. It will be cool. <laughs> no, but then we're like, well, we need a drummer, and then so we went to, we were in school, we were looking for a drummer, and Paul knew everybody in the band, and everybody mm -hmm. kind of in the band idolized Paul, so it was pretty much, well, we need a drummer, and then they were like, well, there's nobody in the high school band that's that is good enough to play a kit, and our band director at the time, Bozeman, he's like, 
there's this little boy in the middle school that plays play can play a kit and he's awesome and he's looking for a band so he got that guy to come over from the middle school one day and me paul and brett his name was brett brett that's not a brett heron yeah. but he we jammed in the band room and it was just magic man <laughs> Just, we finally had a full band, and it finally, everybody was g decent enough to make good music. I mean, none of it, neither none of us sang back then, so we were mm. like, "Well, now we need a singer." Wow! <laughs> and uh, was, did y'all get one? Well, we started asking around for a singer, and everybody's like, "There's a guy in Twin Rivers named Ed Wilder. Everybody calls him Ebo. He's a little older than y'all, but he sounds like Ronnie Van Zant." <laughs> so we're like, "Okay." So then we went out and we we met Ed, and uh, it was just amazing. And then of course, I we had learned a bunch of like hard rock, like Tesla and yeah. all these hard rock songs. And he goes, "Well, I don't know none of them, but if you can learn this one and this one and this one." And that guy Steve Rao that came yeah, and played yeah, with the Swamp Town Get Down. He he, we went over to his house and his little brother. All of his brothers had a band, <clears throat> so they kind of taught us. They got taught us a bunch of Southern rock songs because they were all into like Skinner and Molly. Steve Hatchet Rowell and, uh, was actually the lead guitar player in a, a trio that played at the Steakhouse Lounge here in Waycross in the early '70s when I was just starting out in my first band. And we played. They played Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday at Steakhouse Lounge, and my band Sweetbriar with uh, Billy Ray Hare, and we had a four-piece band, but they allowed us to get up on stage Thursday night. It, they would shove all of uh, Steve Rowell's band's equipment up against the walls and we'd set up and play on Thursday night. So that was, and Steve Rowell's a fine guitar player. Oh my, he's so good. He's really good, but he was, uh, he was uh, a little piece of my past too. Well, that is, that's good. <laughs> We're all connected, man. That, that, the cool thing about, uh, the band that we had with Paul and Brett and me and Ed, I guess, eventually. But we were, uh, we, we decided, the only, that Steve and Ed had told us, they're like, y'all little whippersnappers, this is how you get, you don't, we're not going to do any, we're not going to get serious unless we book us a gig. So we booked us a gig at this place called the Hillside Game Room right there in the end of where Trudy Road runs into 301. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a gig and a, uh, we we kind of crashed course at Steve's house, and he taught us like I think we, he taught us eleven songs, and we were gonna do eleven songs. And that, that, that we had a gig, and I think we did about twenty two. We did twice as many as he taught us. We we're just faking our way through them. Awesome. Just had a blast, man. And then next thing you know, they're asking us to play the high school, and then they were like, "This guy's like, hey man, I have these, I have these parties at my house, and y'all need to come do them." So we we turned into that band. So what was the name of this band? Oh Lord! I'm well. We actually we we started off. We were Type B. Type B. Type Type B. B. And I don't want to sound like NSYNC, but uh, Paul's mama <laughs> said we were Ty, Paul, Ed, and Brett. I <laughs> know <laughs> it was the dumbest name ever, but we did a couple gigs as Type yeah, B. Yeah, that's cool. And then we got we got and no, nobody in our band liked it. Uh, but that's just what we went with, and then we we, we ended up getting in a a battle of the bands at Waycross Mall. Just to tell you how long ago it was, we're in the middle of Waycross Mall where Santa Claus sits, and uh, they had this, all these people there at a stage. We got second place. We lost to some little four year old girl singing Mariah Carey, but oh. <laughs> apparently she's really good. No wonder where she is now. I don't know, but no, but 
our drummer at the time, just random knowledge about him, he uh, had a condom in his pocket. Yeah. And he hated our band name, and so he went. He was the one that was running in there to fill out all the paperwork for us to get in the contest. Yeah. And he goes, "What's uh, the band name?" And he goes, he "Pulled out the condom, and it said on the back, avoid excessive heat.' So he wrote excessive heat as our band name, <laughs> <laughs> and we were excessive heat for like five years, six years. <laughs> then I moved off to college, and it's good to you. Yeah, it could have been just as easily been known as Trojan Jumbo." <laughs> Magnum man arm. <laughs> no, there's no telling. It was a. It's weird, man. We, he didn't even think about it, and we then the, we didn't even know what he had put down until they introduced us. We're like, what? <laughs> and he had spelled it. This would tell you how how long ago it was. He spelled it X dollar sign I V. Like he spelled it all stupid. <laughs> but we, of course, we made some T-shirts, and the T-shirt said Hortense to Hollywood on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, Paulie. <laughs> oh, Lord, I love it. I love it. I saw y'all practice. That's probably way too much information. <laughs> no, I ain't never heard do. this before. It's great. I saw y'all practice one time. Me and Toby came over. Yeah. Y'all yeah. were under somebody's carport. Might have been Brett's house. Or? Yeah, Brett's house. Yeah, we used to jam out in Brett's house. Um, he had, a, the, I guess, the patio... On the side of, I guess, a driveway, but it had this covering thing. So we just have, you know, we'd, we'd invite people to our practice. Really? And then he had a little, when it get cold weather, he had a little shed in the back. And, uh, but Brett's a whole other story. We, that is. That we can is, talk we, about later. We probably won't go there. But uh, <laughs> Miss you. That's uh, great. The greatness of those uh, old band stories. I yeah, mean, you can everybody can relive them, and they, they were just about the same. You know, the excitement uh, of learning an instrument and and finding three or four other guys that shared the same interest. You know, all of that was so fresh and so new and exciting. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Looking back just now, man, you're like, whoa, life's life's been. It's an awesome life I got going here. It is, yeah. And I hear thought, a train running way across the hear a train. Yeah, way across train. I thought you were a rock star when I met you because you had really long hair and you could play guitar. Like, I was like, this guy's, this is what I want to do. This guy right here. <laughs> then he about kills me in the car. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was back in, the, back in the late 80s, early 90s. You had, you had, you had to have hair. long hair. You had to look the part. Right, right. Now I look like a... Sound guy for Molly Hatchet or something, or a road crew. No offense to any sound guys out there. I guess when I first, or road crew guys. When I first met you, uh, was like a lot of Brantley County people. I first met when when I started working for Paul Lee at Crosstown Music in 1991. Is that right? No, way. 2001. I'm sorry. Yeah, 2001. I say, uh, uh, he was still Paul's in high school. 11th grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paul's that also, though. He could, he could have run a story. What's like, 10 right? years? I mean, but uh, it was 2001, and uh, <clears throat> Paul Lee, being from Brantley County, I uh, uh, started uh, started meeting all of you characters. Uh, you and uh, Darren Kersey. Oh, yeah, Darren uh, the Trip. Uh, Jesus, all those, all those. Uh, Jesus Spencer. from Brantley Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is from Brantley County. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, that's probably the truest sentence uh, ever. Spencer Purcell. Uh, oh, yeah. Spencer's a trip. I mean, there was just so many people that came into my life just from working at that music store. 
That's when we first started rubbing shoulders. And then in 2003, uh, Paul told us the story of the... Uh, um, oh, yeah. The... Which inspired uh, uh, a Newfangler's concept oh, yeah, yeah. album. And, yeah, uh, Newfangler's can't get more Brantley County than a Newfangler album. And uh, it's like it's, the storyline, at least the the music is. I guess the music too has like a mix of. I think y'all musically captured <clears throat> all that craziness. The, the songwriting. Uh, it was basically a, a Waycross, Brantley County songwriting project more than anything, you know. And then a band grew out of it, and uh, uh, but Sean and uh, my nephew Graham, myself, you, a lot of people were. In on the songwriting oh, end yeah. of that album, I still remember. Yeah. I, I came down one time, and we were. This is this is my memory of it. I don't know. It, it's probably shady because that was the shady years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember coming down. We we're hanging out in the store, and we're like, we're all a bunch of songwriters sitting around. Like, what do you think of something we can write a song about? And then we're like, well, we got this story. <laughs> I remember we told y'all the story, and I thought, well, Dave's gonna write a song about it. It'll be great. And then I was like, well, shit. Let's all write a song about it. And then we had like 10 or 15 songs yeah. and coming from different perspectives. Yeah, but Dave they, did an outline. We need a song about this. And then we need a song yeah, about I that. I remember, I, but I, wanted, I was going to college then. I, I might have been teaching already. I can't remember, but I was going back and forth fr from North Georgia to South Georgia. And every time I would come down, it'd be like, we got a new idea. It tweaked it to this. And then it just kind of, it was cool to see it grow. Mm -hmm. Y'all got to see it every day, but I got to see it like once a month. We were recording in the stock room of the music store. Oh yeah! And Paul had this beautiful what was Yamaha it, 10, to, ten to twelve or digital, uh, like uh, twenty-four track uh, digital um, console kind of uh, recording console, and uh, 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 <laughs> all unobvious places to record an album. It was in a stock room. Full of bare walls and uh, cardboard boxes, and cardboard boxes full of PA systems and <laughs> musical instruments, but it's got a sound to it. Mm -hmm. you know, you yeah, I think uh, the Fangler started in that back room, that store, but pretty much the, the Barefoot Hookers, the band I was in for like ten years. The first little demos we did were in, on that same little whatever Yamaha, Yamaha thing, yeah. and Paul Paul recording them. He's I think he's learning how to do it while we were doing it too, like. And then, uh, but the first three or four songs that I wrote that ended up being Barefoot Hooker songs were all were, were recorded there first. And then I went when I was in Athens. I was like, we got to get somebody a band to put together to do these songs. Yeah. But I so that was the Barefoot Hookers. Yeah, for the first couple yeah. songs. Yeah. I think one of the actual on the first record we had, Sweet Pickle Grits. Um, the last song on the record is actually. The, we just, we didn't even re-record it. We just used the recording that Paul did. Really, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like, and we recorded it, and a friend of ours named Amy was sitting there, and she at the end she claps. It's like really cheesy and cool <laughs> at the same time. It's like the magic, you know, when you're recording, you know, you gotta have, you know, I don't know, when you record, there's that one little piece of magic that you need, and that yeah. was her little laugh and the liveness of it in that room. Mm -hmm. It's like we can't. There's no way we could remedy. You know, we could re recreate this, so we got to put it on the record. So, if you listen to Sweet Pickle Grits, there's a real pretty girl laughing at the end. <laughs> and you can find all or that music on, on laughing. 
uh, Spotify and everywhere. Yeah, like yeah, you services? can still you can still buy uh, Barefoot Hookers, Sweet Pickle Grits, uh, Life at the Bar, Beer Drinking Gospel. It's all on iTunes and all that. I don't know where they go, where the money goes when you buy it, but <laughs> I know it's on Spotify too. So if you want to just go down memory lane and hear a bunch of crazy, horrible drinking songs, you can do it. Y'all were a good band. That was a mm-hmm. fine band. Uh, John Tosh. Yeah, um, yeah. Johnny's from Waycross. Yeah. Um, now he's a big lawyer up in Atlanta. Is he? He's doing good things too, man. I'm proud of him. That's he's, awesome. I got. I, I I've been teaching for 20 years, and I I, I John I I, I kind of take John. I take pride as John being one of my first students, and I totally didn't teach him right for 10 years. And he, <laughs> he, but he's fine. I think I, I, he's like a he's like my brother, but. Like my little brother, but he's he's done a lot of cool stuff in his yeah. two decades. I've known him, maybe going on three. Awesome. Actually, I, oh, I don't need to tell the story about John Donge on the microphone and videos, but I met John when he was 15 in Waycross. Yeah. I just say I met him a night of his life, that the craziest night of his life <laughs> in Waycross. I was at a party at Josh Sweat's house. Y'all remember Josh Sweat? I don't. I, I he was did. friends with... Uh, with Will Thrift and I yeah. came in Paul when 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 I moved off to college, ex- excessive heat was still playing around. They got little Charlie Chastain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He kind of re- he started he kind of replaced me in excessive heat. I think they started calling it something different, like about a blue van or something. Blue or, van band. I think it eventually turned <laughs> into that. But Paul and Paul, my my drummer and bass player, were playing with Charlie. But we played Josh's Josh Sweat's house, and I met a bunch of people. This is like when they were like 15 and 16. We were playing like some backyard party, and I met them. And I said, well, hey, when y'all are in college, I live up in Athens, so just look us up. And then about three or four years later, <laughs> they all graduate and move up to Athens. And uh, I'm at a, my band was playing at the time. I was in a band called Skillet at the time. And uh, we were playing at a, this place called Allen's Hamburgers. Uh-huh. It's not there anymore either, but. Really, really cool place. They only had burgers and beer, <laughs> but we were we used to play there all the time, about once a month. And uh, one night I got in a fight with our bass player because we I think my cut of the night was like forty dollars, and I owed him forty five dollars or so. He was giving me beef about it, and I don't know. Just in the 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 closing two two o'clock in the morning, band packing up, John just started getting ugly, and uh, our singer got mad at the bass player and. I think there was this little fight broke out. It was kind of an <laughs> ugly scene. And then John Tosh just walks up and goes, hey, man, I hear y'all looking for a bass player. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And he's like, I saw you playing Waycross three or four years ago. You told me to look you up. And I was like, you really play bass? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, you're in the band. <laughs> and I didn't even hear him play bass. But John John joined Skillet, and uh, he was in Skillet for a long time. And then when, when Skillet – Fell apart. We uh, we started the Barefoot Hookers, and John just slipped right in there. Yeah, and then he could sit right here with us, man. He's he he oh, knows yeah. how to write a song now. He's he's a poet. well. In fact, he wrote the uh, words. Oh yeah, yeah. To uh, deathbed confession. Deathbed confession. I oh took, yeah, he's, yeah. He's I took his words and uh, Neil Brandon, Neil Brandon and, and I added a little chorus to. But they they. Got me kick-started on that song. Oh, yeah, I took yeah. it home and I said, "All right," and I put some music to it. And uh, without that, there wouldn't have oh, been yeah. no no deathbed confession, you know. So he is a no, he's, yeah, he, he's a definite songwriter. 
He is, he's a he's a good person to go to if you've got like half a song done or you need one mm -hmm. line or two lines left. He's, he's well, you need to do this, cut that, and move it there. You got it. The son of the Episcopal, uh, oh yeah, minister here in town, John Tange, attorney at law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, John Tange is a uh, our Reverend Tange. I'll tell you a cool story. Um, we used to play gigs in Waycross and uh, all the time, and uh, we booked a gig one time. It was going to be, uh, I don't know if it was Easter or the weekend of Easter. I think everybody's coming home for Easter, so we booked a gig. I think we were playing at Woody's Barbecue or something, or mm -hmm. maybe LL Creek by then, whatever it was. And uh, But John says, I can't play, it's Easter. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's Friday. And it's like Saturday. Like Easter's on Sunday, and Truly. so like so we, we we basically made a thing. And his dad it was something about his dad was it was his dad's last day preaching or something or being a priest. Oh. And so we made a deal. We said John could play the gig if all of the barefoot hookers come to church church the next morning. So we're like, <laughs> Oof. okay, done. So uh, they did the big thing and they did the big communion at the end and all this and. It was pretty. It was pretty wild. We're all in the back row. We're like, "What's going on here?" And then they like led us up to the front. We drank out of a wine thing. It was crazy, and I, like I didn't think nothing of it till like later. I was like, "That was kind of weird, but cool." And then um, later on, I realized I got Reverend Tonja's last communion, like which is just. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like man, that's just. <laughs> so I don't even know what you call it, hindsight or whatever, or no, forward sight. or it, I, don't even, uh, I don't even know what word it is. It's cosmic. It's cosmic it in the mind. sense that it prepared you for your future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, I can little, remember little baby night steps the night at uh, the, the Hummingbird Stage Tap Room <laughs> where you were in a purple robe dispensing oh, pork yeah. rice oh, yeah. at, a, at a sort of communion. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You, uh, I, I had people uh, to be wet crossians. <laughs> I, 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 a bottle I, of Jim Beam or Jack Daniels. That, yeah. that, that night might be the, one of the craziest nights Jim Beam and pork rhymes. Legend, I guess. You were one of calling people forward to bless them. I remember, oh, I got to set this up. This is how you tell you why why you shouldn't drink, kids. No, but uh, we, I went. To, I had this friend named Lauren, Lauren Pascapools. I'm down with LPP. Uh, but she took me to this party, and she goes, we're going to a WTF party. And I was like, well, what's that? She goes, well, your goal is when you walk in to the party, you know, your goal is to make everybody go, what the? And so I was like, okay. So we went to like Goodwill and bought like a bunch of random junk. I think I got a, I got a purple choir robe. I think I had an oven mitt and a clown mask. And we went to this party and she's dressed up like some girl from Quentin Tarantino movie or something. She looked really cool. But we show up at this party and we get there. There's people everywhere. And there's this guy putting on roller skates on the curb. And we're like, oh man, cool outfit. And he got really mad at me. And it's, his back of his shirt said, Roland Joel. <laughs> his he was actually hired as entertainment to for the party. He was like oh, wow. a professional roller skater dancer guy. No, but it was just like the craziest party ever. We had this knocked out <laughs> knocked out thing and then we had played the hummingbird the next day. So I had all that stuff in the car and uh Vic had said, Hey man, all your people when you play the hummingbird you play making, all your people from Waycross come up and y'all like take the party up a notch. You're like, these people we breaking liquor sales and there's not even full you know like i don't know how you do it but whatever you do share your magic with us 
And he goes, I was like, I want you to convert all the Macon people to Waycrossings. So I was like, I looked around at my car. I said, well, I got a choir robe. I was like, go get me some pork rinds. I was just being <laughs> stupid. And it just happened out of nowhere. I didn't, we didn't really plan it. It just, I mean, we planned it, but like at like sound check, you know, so it was kind of like organic. It was, it was magic. But it was, and you were, you were up there doing the, you were. There ain't no telling. You were, well, you were doing all the fire and brimstone stuff. And then Scotty was toying on the organ. <laughs> And that's just that one thing where there's like a there's a picture there's one luckily this was before cell phones and mm -hmm. videos of this but there's one picture floating around it's like me with bag of pork rinds and everybody kneeling in the front <laughs> and everybody drank out the same bottle right oh yeah that's before Corona what's crazy <laughs> the picture the picture that I have you know we're you know passing it around the bottle around uh, the picture that I have I've married off three of the people in the picture oh like because they're gosh. like. You know, because everybody started calling me Reverend. That's when everybody started calling me Reverend. Right, right. That stupid and night. And I was that like, led like, to you being a Reverend. And then they're like, yeah. we got to get Reverend to marry us. And I'm like, I'm not a Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot with a, in a robe and a microphone. <laughs> oh, Lord. But it, but I ain't lying. It's, I got a good buddy now, and uh, he's uh, plays bass with me sometimes. But he's like, he started taking me to church and uh, – uh, I don't want to get too spiritual on y'all, but like yeah, that's uh, the guys like saying all this, like you got to plant seeds with people. <laughs> I think all these little things, I don't think I would be where I, I am right now if I hadn't been where I was then, you know, like it's all connected. And no matter who you, who you're yeehawing in the sky or who your higher power is, you, it's, you mm -hmm. got to, I used to tell people when, just be nice to everybody and, you know, they'll be nice to you back. That's sort of like the golden rule, but, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. No, but it's just like I don't know. It just felt weird. If it, I, I and I just really can't explain it until you. But y'all been through it, you know. You gotta. Mm -hmm. so I used to tell people you gotta live bad to realize how good it is mm -hmm. to live to live good. You know, you, you can't have the good without the bad, mm -hmm. and you can't have the it's balance. You, you gotta have that little bit of balance of like uh, uh, light and dark. I don't read books like John Tonjo. I don't really know how to tell this, but mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. It's, it's fine. What yeah, we find, talk a lot. Find yeah. what helps you be a good person. And we do talk it. a lot on here about uh, the fine line between uh, sin and salvation, and uh, and how that uh, is in the musical world. Oh yeah, mostly you know. Was, uh, uh, so it is. It's I, all I'm, connected. Like a lot of the, I know uh, uh, you're always saying like I guess gospel like. Hank Senior yeah. and uh, Ray Charles, and they—they mm -hmm. they basically it's the same. Like, you got to mix it a little bit. Find, you got to find your little happy mix of both. And yeah, the dynamic is is always there. I mean, we're toting around uh, everything that uh, we ever grew up with from from childhood, you know, and all those experiences kind of culminate right now in who we are, oh, you yeah. know, and uh, and. Uh, I'm proud of you, man. You yeah. you you've you've went from pork grinds to to real <laughs> crackers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm drinking Wait the right beverages. <laughs> no, it's yeah, a it's heck of a life too. No, this this is. I didn't think this would be therapy, man. <laughs> no, it this is, is crazy. Yeah. This is like uh, no, but you know, like every little thing that's happened to you in your life. Yeah. 
and every little thing that you've ca- you've caused for other people, it's like it's it's all connected, man. And, it is. And whoever you, uh, I mean, just I've uh, I remember when I when I I joined the church, I guess last year, I went through all that heart surgery stuff, mm-hmm. and um, I just I don't know, I just got so much love coming in every direction. I just I I think I went back to all those. You know, gospel songs I heard riding backwards in the station wagon and all the mm-hmm. vacation Bible schools I was mm-hmm. not really forced to go to, just like luckily ended up at. I mean, right. it's all like it all full, came full circle. And now, now looking back on it, she's like, well, I don't think I would have got to where I am now without, mm-hmm. you know, having a really crazy, but colorful it, life. <laughs> and, and, and you're still as colorful as you ever were because I always like oh, yeah. to say when, when Ty Manning's band is on the bill, uh, I mean, the circus is coming to town. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to f- let you my are, freak, you, freak flag fly all the time. And, you're, you're, I, and I try right. to inspire people to, to let their freak flag fly too, yeah. you know, like find out who you are and be that person the best that you can. And if you need any help... Uh, Go, go see a tie show. I can, I can, uh, I, uh, I'll sit here and talk with you, or you can listen to this podcast. <laughs> Your uh, recent entity, uh, Slaw Dog Biscuits. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. That'd be cool. All yeah. right, Ty Manning and the Slaw Dog yeah, Biscuits. Yeah, uh, well, that the Slaw Dog Biscuits is kind of happened weird. There was a band when the, when the Barefoot Ogre band broke up, and uh, we still we we might play every other year if we're lucky, or maybe. At least some of us, we've had a couple leftover hooker shows. We're missing missing a couple of people, but uh, no. But I, had, I got I sobered up. I hit rock bottom, as they say, and I sobered up. And I tried to get healthy. My heart couldn't handle being Ty Manning, so I had to slow down a little bit. <laughs> and uh, but I, I met a girl and I got married. And everything was perfect, and then it got a little weird, mm-hmm. and then. So it got unperfect, <laughs> and then we, I, I wrote a bunch of songs about it because that's what songwriters do. And I remember sitting, I I bought a house when I proposed. I bought a house, and I said, "Come live in it with me." And then when she quit living it with me, I, I quit. When she moved out, I was like, "Well, now I got this big old empty house." And I was like, "Well, I don't wonder why, why this." And I had all these like why and ifs and mm-hmm. what's going to happen questions. And all my friends were like. I was like, I don't know if she's coming back. Just well, this big old empty house says no. Mm. <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote the song called "Empty House." Mm-hmm. Nothing louder than an empty house. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, there's your answer. So I wrote that song, I, and I actually wrote that song on the stage in between <coughs> Betsy Frank and Levi Lowry because I was sitting there. I was wow. like, I told Fester we did a songwriter thing in Athens. Just, I, did I mention I have ADD really bad? That's a good combination. <laughs> no, but, Do you know that song? Can you play that song, Empty House, uh, from beginning to end, or, actually, or anything off of that album? I probably could, but uh, that would probably be a bad one to play because it's like piano and got a bunch of gotcha. crazy changes in it. I what? could probably do it, but which maybe one I'll, of these? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do one. Let me let me tell you this cool story about the All song. Right. But I I uh, was sitting between like I was sitting up there with like Fester and a bunch of great songwriters, and I had this chorus. The chorus just came out like. When I came up with the chorus, it just happened, and then I taught Scotty the harmony part for it. And I said, like, "Well, we write some verses. We could play this tomorrow at the show." And he goes, "Well, if, well, you try to write the verses, and we'll do it." And so I get to the show, and we're doing the sound check, and I was like, "I'm playing, uh, I was playing all these, playing the, I played the chorus." I'm like, "That's great." And what's the what's the chords going to be for the verses? And I was like, "That." They're like, "Well, that's great too." And I was like, 
well, what are, I, I don't know what to write. I don't want it to be cheesy, but I want it to be cool. And then Levi Lowry is chill as can be with a cigarette. It's like, your chorus is uh, an answer. <laughs> Maybe your verses should be questions. And I was like, I went to my text messages. And I was like, I just wrote every question I ever text messaged to my ex-wife. And I just put them in order. And oh I tried God. to make, I'd rearrange them until they rhymed and shit. And I was wow. like, and I wrote it on a piece of paper. And I got about halfway through. And then we were doing a song around the round with five people. Yeah, and they had this guy who was asking questions and interviewing you and stuff. But uh, I got it got to me, and I was like, "So what song are you gonna do now?" I was like, "Well, I'm gonna write a song I just wrote." And he goes, "Well, when'd you just write? When'd you write it?" I was like, "Since I did my last song, <laughs> <laughs> and I sang it, and I was writing it, and it was like really cool." And then I was after that, it like inspired me to write a whole bunch of other songs, mm. and just like the fang of the record, I was like, "Well, I got the song about when this happened, and a song about when this happened, and then." Um, concept album. Just, and then I was like, I've made a concept album about my love life <laughs> or lack of love life. But, but you can get it on Spotify and iTunes. And yeah. <laughs> come find me. I'll give you one. You, you covered one of my songs. On yeah, that. I did. I covered one of both of y'all songs. Oh, yeah. yeah. You did. Because I did. You, you officiated Curl my wedding. And, uh, that was my no art. home for me now. No home for me now. Yeah, Curl Up and Die was uh, the first song at our wedding. Yeah. And then I thought that needed to be on it because it starts off with some love songs, and then when then that then that song, and then I thought after that song, I I needed a, when it, that's about how long it lasted. <laughs> about my wedding, my marriage lasts about three songs. Uh -huh. But uh, but when it went wrong, I was like, I need a, I had all these other songs, but I needed like a leaving song. Yeah. And then it has boom, ba -da -da -da. I was like, I gotta just record that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, that's pretty cool. Oh, but that album's done pretty good. I've, I've, Why don't you play us a song? You, you want me to play one? Uh, you, you want to play one of the old ones? It doesn't matter. Just whatever you feel led to. How about I play a brand new one? I actually wrote this brand new one. <clears throat> I started writing this brand new one back when I was happily married. And uh, I'll give you a little song right uh, See how out of tune I am. No, but I was, when I was married, I was trying to write a bunch of happy love songs. And uh, like every other songwriter, I'm obsessed with John Prine. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to write a John Prine love song. And uh, I grew up in the 80s with all the cock rock songs, so it came out a little more uh, <laughs> racier than a John Prine song. I don't know what string I'm on here. No, but I've been play I played this the other night, and everybody. I finally finished the lyrics, and I think it's good. But when I first started, it was just going to be a love song to my wife, or my, I guess my wife at the time. And then, since then, I've had open heart surgery. Uh, I guess I've quit drinking. Uh, found the Lord, all that good stuff. So I kind of changed the verses to be about that. Good. But I still like doing stuff. <laughs> And uh, y'all feel free to sing it with me if you want. Oh, I gotta put this on here.
Well, I don't want to grow up, get a job or pay my bills. Stay sober, watch my weight, or take blood pressure pills. All these things are good for me, but they waste of all my time. So I thought I'd sing the only thing that's always on my mind. All I want to do, all I want to do, all I want to do is you. I don't want to do anything else. All I want to do is you. I'm so tired of all these responsibilities Cut my fingers to the bone Wear out both my knees And there's so many things in this old brain It's rode hard and put up with My attention span ain't that grand But I just can't forget All I wanna do all I want to do is you I don't want to do anything else All I want to do is you Alright, this is where I brag on myself Rhyming diddly squat and hit the spot. <laughs> I feel like Fester Hager now. <laughs> There's things in life that cause us strife. We're out of our control. Way on our hearts and tear apart mind, body, and soul. And I've searched for ways to curb this ache But I ain't found diddly squat There's only one surefire thing That can always hit the spot Sing it with me, Dave All I wanna do All I wanna do All I wanna do Is you Put on some Jimmy Buffett and <laughs> that, yeah. that, that, that'll be on the next record. Oh, but, nice. Uh... <laughs> That's great. Well, that's fine. Well, y'all want to take a little short break? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Maybe we can try to write one. Be <laughs> right back. Well, that was fun, y'all. Something in my blood starts to take a hold. Something in my bones starts to lose control. Something in the water gonna make me. 
make me see Something in the water gonna set me free We're back. Glad y'all still with us. Uh, talking with Mr. Reverend Ty Manning from... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Reverend. From uh, up around Athens. What is Madison? Yeah. Madison I, I, is where your home is. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I live in a little town called Buckhead, Georgia. Buckhead. But I, I teach high school in Madison, Georgia, which okay. I, and I've been, been there since 2001. I always tell people I've been I've been teaching since the trade towers came down, <laughs> which is a cool story I could tell you. Um, <laughs> I uh, well, y'all know me leading up to teaching. Y'all y'all knew me before teaching and after teaching. But uh, when I first started teaching, I, I, I went my my claim to fame before I started teaching was uh, I went to college for nine years. <laughs> I was made a, made a career like, out of I, it. I was Van Wilder before Van Wilder was a movie. But <laughs> At I, Georgia? No, I, well, I did two years in Alabama, Troy State, and uh, and I, I transferred over. All my friends, all my friends that were us hanging out with in Troy, they didn't make it out. They partied too much and didn't get the grades. But somehow, I uh, made it out and transferred over to UGA. And then I tried. I got ended up getting a scholarship to go to school because I have a bad heart. The one one good thing about being born with a bad heart, I had a scholarship that paid whatever Hope and Pale didn't pay, and Hope I didn't have Hope and Pale, so this paid everything. And then the, the sweet little lady who was from Waycross, actually, and uh, Angie Booth, where I don't even know where she where she met, where she is now, but if you're out there, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she got me hooked up with college, and and there she's like, well, you got a bad heart. Don't take a full load. Just you know, do take things at your own pace and all that. So I got up to Athens, and I, I was in. I I never took a full load. I was, and if I if I started getting behind in a class, I just drop it. And I don't know. I just had this. I had the system figured out, man. I was a professional student, <laughs> and um, I think that's what what makes me pretty good teacher. Is I I know that. I know that age level of kids, so I can kind of get on that wavelength. Plus, uh, they they can't put any, they can't get any tricks by me. So you're uh, (laughs) a high school art teacher at uh, Morgan County High School. Morgan County High School, Madison, Georgia. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I, when I started teaching, um, I was going to tell you, I student, I was living in my car, being in a bunch of bands. I was that's when I was in the band Skillet, and uh, I was like, well, I got a degree in art drawing and painting and I'm like what am I going to do with it I was, well I guess I'm going to live in my car on Baxter Street and play the guitar on the weekend for beer money and free hamburgers you know and so then I, I got a call this is back before cell phones I get a call from my mom to check on me or I called her so she could check on me or check on her or whatever and uh, she's like we got a letter from the UGA it says your tuition's been paid for but you haven't registered for class yet and I'm like, well, I've already graduated. <laughs> so I just went right back and registered for more classes. So I just kept going. <laughs> and the class that I registered for, I, I, I started doing the teaching classes. Yeah. And I ended up st- having the student teach at the school where I'm at now. Oh. And so it's sort of like I wasn't even planning on it. And I just ended up there. And I think I just ha- I didn't realize I was kind of wandering around, didn't have a clue what I was going to be when I grew up. My go- My goal was to not grow up. But then I ended up in a place where I could kind of grow up and not grow up at the same time. <laughs> I get to hang out with the uh, teenagers and hopefully inspire them to to figure out who they are and where they need to be and well, from what I've to, heard, how to learn about themselves and the world. Pretty, uh, uh, 
pretty well loved at your house. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you were voted like out of the state of Georgia. You won the uh, Teacher of the Year. Yeah. Yeah. And, last uh, year, I, I won Teacher of the Year at my school. Yeah. And I won Teacher of the Year off Fox 5. Fox 5 News has a thing called High Five for Teachers. And I was nominated. Uh, I was nominated for that because you got to be nominated by somebody. They write in a letter and stuff, and then they narrow it down. Out of all the people that are nominated, they narrow it down to four or five. Mm -hmm. And then they come do these little video montages of everybody, puts them on the TV, and they mm -hmm. show them for like, it's like a thing for Fox 5, but then everybody votes online. Mm -hmm. But I tried to find out who nominated me, and they wouldn't tell me, but they said I was nominated by multiple people. Wow. Which made me feel even more loved. Mm -hmm. yeah. But Einline, I just, I think, I, I think my, my motto when I started teaching was like, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to be the teacher I wish I would have had in high school. And I moved around a lot, so I went to four different high schools. I think we did the, did the math one time. I think I went to 13 different schools in 12 years of school. So oh, just because of military brat. brat, you know? Yeah. So, but I've had teachers that would rip up stuff and yell at you and say you did it wrong, and I've had ones that, oh, you're great, you know. Like I've, I've, so I'm somewhere, I've got all those experiences. I'm like, I, th I think the, the, the main thing about being a good art teacher is to get to know the kid and find out what they like and what they don't like and then figure out how they can, you can help them help them find themselves or if they don't know it because a lot of times the kids will be like i don't know what i like i don't know what to think i don't have an opinion on that i'm like well this is the hour and a half of the day where we're going to sit here and figure out what your opinion is about things and then you're going to we're going to show you how to express it with some color wow. or some pencil or some movie or a song or, or mm -hmm. whatever dance whatever your thing is we're going to find your thing and kind of help mold your mind into figuring out what you want to be when you grow up, and even even if that is not growing up, right? <laughs> like me, but and I do. I, I think a testimony of uh, a good line in the sand about uh, if I'm in the right place, I think I'm in the right place because there's so many people that are following all the dreams that I kind of helped flame, you know, when they were in my mm -hmm. class. So, got a lot of kids out there playing music. Y'all know who you are. <laughs> and I got a lot of kids making art. Yeah, I even got a lot of kids teaching. So mm -hmm. uh, I feel blessed, man. Yeah, I, I've certainly a, been a presence been a, in, in in their lives and in, in their future. You brought and, you brought us some art today. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I make art too. I don't just preach it. I, I teach cool. it. I don't just teach it. I preach it. Uh, no, but I, I like to I like to do a little bit of everything. I, I, I always hear the jack of all trades, master of none. I've a, I try to I paint, sculpt, collage. Um, I even done do a little acting. I've done stand-up comedy. I try to do anything, any way I can express what's on my mind. I try to do it. But I've got uh, I challenged some kids a couple years ago. Uh, I teach AP art, which is like college studio class, mm -hmm. and uh, they have to put a portfolio together. It's all changed now with all this the new way they do it, but. You just have to make a portfolio with 12 pictures, like a concentration, they called it. And I was getting a bunch of lazy kids, and I was trying to f inspire them to be not be lazy. So I, like, I can do a concentration and a, and a Christmas break. I'm going to make 12 paintings over Christmas break. 
and I came back and I did it, and I was like, wow, I got some pretty decent art I made, and uh, I think it inspired some kids. Plus, it, I was like, well, maybe I should have an art show. Or, and, and I was making the record, the Empty House record, and my I sold every one of my paintings, had a show, a, a party, and I, an art show, and I sold every painting, and that the paintings helped me order all the records and the CDs that I made. Even though people don't buy CDs, but if you want to buy a CD, you can come find me. <laughs> and uh, now, but long story short, I started. I, I, when you teach, I guess when you're teaching art all day, the last thing you want to do is come home and make art because you've been like doing it all day. And I used to be like, well, my 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 medicine from getting off of work was coming home and writing songs and touring around with the band and having a good old time. So, but I. Uh, Really, I, I basically my little lesson that I was trying to teach my kids inspired me to make my own art even more too. So I've been making a lot of art, and I've and when I did, I sold out all the paintings. I've had people commission me to do paintings. I'd be like, "Can you paint my dog? Or can you paint Jimmy Buffett? Or can you paint whatever?" And like, I've I've, I've totally like gotten into doing that too. I like I like I like making people happy. So. Yeah, and awesome. I like making art, so let's mix it together and try to make a living doing it. So, so about uh, what was it, about a year ago, uh, maybe a little longer than that, you had some more problems with your heart. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. Talk about that for a minute. What happened? Yeah, well, there. Well, I was born with a hole in my heart when I was little, and I had heart surgery when I was three. And they I had a hole in my heart, and they 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 fixed it, and they told my mom. I remember hearing when I was little that I wouldn't live through puberty and growing and all. But I got all just. I think that I think subliminally, I probably lived my life really hard and fast because I knew I was probably not going to last long. <laughs> but they, I was totally healed up. I got to be about forty years old, and I had to. I found out I had to have a hole, the hole in my heart repatched, and they did that in I guess two thousand thirteen. Mm. And then I thought I was fine. Everything was great. Life was good. Everything was perfect. Just living right, and everything was awesome. And then they, I went to the, for a checkup, and they said that my aortic valve was failing. Mm. And I was like, "Oh man!" I just put everybody through all this stress of heart surgery and a marriage and a divorce, and everybody's just totally, you know, taking care of me like emotionally and. Loving on me like way, and I was like, I didn't want to. I kept it a secret that I had to have surgery for about two months because yeah. I just didn't want anybody to worry about me because they'd already been worrying about me nonstop. So, yeah. um, I basically get a call coming home from. This to tell you how cool the world works. I get a, I get a call, um, or I leave Emory in Atlanta. I'm driving back to my house. And I turn on the radio, and Paul Thorne's song, Everything's Gonna Be All Right, came on the radio. And I was like, that's awesome. This is, like, exactly what I needed to hear right now. Everything's gonna be all right. And then I was like, so I was I just jamming out that song, and I found it on on Spotify and just listened to it over and over again, driving home. And, uh, and then I get a phone call from a total stranger. He's like, hey, man, my name's Joe, and I have brain cancer. And I've been dating this girl, and I want to get married. And I was like, okay. And then someone said, you officiate weddings and I, weddings, and I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, you, you. I said, when you want to do it, let's let me know. And I was thinking in the back of my head, like I got all this heart thing I got to deal with. And he goes, 
how about we do it tonight about 6.30? And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was just like, okay, I'm following this lead. I'm gonna, uh, the, the, the higher powers are pointing me into this song. I feel great right now, even though I have this horrible heart condition. And this guy who's said he just got out of the hospital having a brain tumor removed. And I was like, so I met him at Town Park. They had bought like a little little frozen cake from the grocery store. They were all, I think they had a logging company, so they're all wearing logging company t-shirts. And <laughs> I met them and I had taught, um, I'd, I had taught the their friend's daughter and I'd married her and her husband. Uh. And uh, so they were, that's how they got my number. But they had, we had a wedding, like impromptu wedding, and he still had like the scar and the bandage on his wow. head. Wow. And I was like, crazy, this is crazy. And then like, so I met them, and they're, like, really good people. They've kind of, you know, got really tight with them. And then one of the trees in my yard was looking really shady, and they had a log company thing. So I was like, how about y'all come take down a tree in my yard, you know? And they're like, all right, cool. And so we uh, went on to play, play in the way, and I had a show booked at my house with some friends. It was Fester Hagen and Claire Campbell. And I, I knew that I had to have heart surgery, but I didn't want to tell anybody. But I played that Tom, I learned that Tom Thorn, uh, Paul, Thorne. Paul Thorne song, and I played it, and it was just like, it just, the the energy of the room, it's like, everything's all right, but I have to have heart surgery. And then everybody started freaking out. Mm. And then a couple of people at my house were like, well, when are you doing? I was like, well, they want me to do it as soon as I can, and I'm going to wait till the end of school year, at least until all this arts do for grading and then so I decided on May 6th and then so when I told them that they all started behind my back planning we got to throw tie a big party mm-hmm. and they my, the party where I was playing at was at my house and I live in this old house and the, the kitchen floor was sinking down so they a couple of them were like we got to fix Ty's floor while he's out. He can't Fester fix Haygood his was the yeah so Fester Fester Haygood and Todd White and mm-hmm an army of people that they rounded up and they planned this whole big party. Didn't tell you that they were doing it. Well, they didn't tell me. Yeah. And then I don't want to say who let it out of the bag, but somebody texted me and said, are you playing your party? And I'm like, what party? <laughs> and I'm like, there's a party for me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Your old band's playing and everything. And I'm like, what? <laughs> when is it? And they're like, S- they're like Cinco de Bio. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Maybe I'm having surgery on the six. And they're like, well, and then I started as so I texted. They finally let the bag cat out of the bag. So then I, I, Fester sent me a link to who I was playing, and they were all going to cover one of my songs, and that my band was going to play. And I was like, "Well, if my band's playing, I'm playing. I just can't eat after nine o'clock because I'm having open heart surgery the next morning." <laughs> so I get there and we play. It's probably, I don't know, on top of the. Like I said, I had the bad news, and then the good song, and then the wedding, and then. Then all that lovey-dovey stuff, and then all this secret love behind my back, and then the just overwhelmed with just people being nice to me. And then in this, we talked about winning all the Teacher of the Year awards. Mm-hmm. That that all was happening at the exact same time, and it was just like unexplainable, like magic happening. And it was it was, and the, and then the bass player guy that I've been hanging out with, John. He 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 was just there to he was telling me all about you should come to church and these are and the students were like this is what we call a god wink all these things are pointing you in 
<laughs> you know, this is higher power. And I'm like, mm. I didn't really know what to think because y'all know me. I'm a total idiot. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just everything was just going perfect. And then, and then I went through surgery and everything went fine with that. And I came back. I'm 18 days after surgery. I'm on the grad. I'm at graduation with my students. So it's just like, there's too many good things. Mm. And everybody, even when I got out of surgery, I mean, I mean, it was people were bringing me art in the hospital, and I think you came and played, and it was mm -hmm. just like, I don't know, life was good, even though it was the worst, the worst thing that could possibly happen. And there was all this good stuff happening too, but I just, I, I, t I told people I kind of broke down. I was like, I'm gonna repay every one of these people tenfold. I'm, I'm just gonna start being nicer to people, and they're like, Well, we're being nice to you because you're all nice to us, and. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, well, maybe I'll just be what I've been being, but That's better. It. And then I, the, the cool thing about that is I, I'm on this platform in my room to, like, pay that forward to my students. And hopefully they can be nice to people that they know. And then they can be nice to people that they know. And then just mm -hmm. keep taking care of each other. People take care of their people. And I got a lot of people. It's pretty awesome. It reminds me of that uh, quote from uh, Phil Walden, the the founder of Capricorn Records. He said, "If you do good, then good gonna come to you." Oh yeah. So, Amen. Uh, that's that's kind of what you you've experienced in your whole time. You've done a lot of good, and uh, um, you did. Uh, what was fun for me was as my son Connor Griffin plays drums for the Slaw Dog oh, yeah. Biscuits. Coon Dog, and he's also the drummer for Pine Box Dweller. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, we're all related, man. It's South Georgia. I tell you. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, uh, we get this this call from Ty asking uh, me and my son and my wife to drive up to Buckhead on a weekend to uh, be, in, be in a music video, a song that Ty wrote. Uh Called the Tom Petty song. Is uh, that the name I, of it? I used to call it the Tom Petty song. Yeah, but I think due to Tom Petty's awesomeness, when I tried to like copyright it or put it on the internet, I couldn't just say Tom Petty song because it kept going. Which Tom Petty song? <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. it's my song, but it's called the Tom Petty song, and so I ended up calling it just the Tom Petty song away. Just the Tom Petty song away, and uh, if you can't tell it by now. Uh, Many uh, many folks have told me through uh, throughout my life that uh, I resemble Tom Petty. <laughs> you even, uh, even won a Halloween costume. I've won a couple yeah, of Halloween that, that costume making was contests. Awesome. <laughs> I was crowned by Unknown Henson one night. Yeah, that was a great. Won night, a, man. a set of lucky dice and some glow in the dark vampire teeth. <laughs> and uh, but uh, Ty here asked me to be. Tom Petty for the music video, and my wife was done her usual great hula hooping in it, and of course Connor played the drums, and uh, <laughs> we did it at uh, Morgan County High School art room right before they demolitioned the whole yeah, thing yeah. because they built a new high school. Yeah, they they built <laughs> us a new high school last year, and they well my old my old high school art room was crazy because. It was an old building, and I'm a hoarder. Any good art teacher is a hoarder. Like someone's like, "You want a truckload of these?" And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> so I just had all these hoard piles everywhere, and we just had all this junk. And then 
But this room is just I let people. I let the one time this kid goes, "Can I write on the wall?" And I, can I sign my name as is the senior? And he wrote on the wall. He wrote, "You're gonna remember me later when I'm famous, making seven digits or something like that." <laughs> and I I thought it's funny, so I put it on the wall. And then the next, just every then it was like everybody wanted to sign the wall, and I'm like, "Well, I can't do that." And then but they did it anyway. And then I don't know. It started a trend, and about there's about. My whole, everything in my wall was just totally covered with like people's signatures and little poems and stuff. And then when they were going to tear down the building, I had a well, we had we had done a big project like installation projects where we knew we were going to tear the building down. So we're like, let's paint this thing crazy. So I think the, the year before we did it, we we turned it into a cupcake factory, which is a totally different story. It'd take forever, but um, <laughs> but then we decided to paint it like. Yayoi Kusama's a little infinity mirror lady that does the dots. Uh-huh. So we decided to paint my room black and then put little red dots everywhere because we're red and black bulldogs. Yeah. And then I recorded that Tom Petty song, and I was like, well, we got this great building, and it look, it's painted up all psychedelic weird like some 1980s Tom Petty video. Yeah. It's like if we, if we got Dave and Lynn and the band, we could probably make a really cool video here. So, I, and then we had a, just had to happen to have a brand new video fig, uh, video teacher at our school, and so he got three cameras, and we just we did like one took it. I had a um, I had a girl that was going to dress up like Alice in Wonderland, right? But she couldn't make it, and so I was like, started freaking out. I was like, well, we can't have a Tom Petty video with without <laughs> Alice in Wonderlands. But then I just. We were in my school, so I just made a phone call. I was like, hey, one of my students, or two of my students were like, we'll be in it. And then the chorus teacher lady from the middle school gave us some costumes. She gave us that spider, too. Oh, yeah? And I knew I had that sitar, and the science teacher gave me a smog, a fog machine. So it just all, <laughs> like anything else in my life, it all just kind of magically <laughs> came fell together. into, came together yeah. and, uh, perfectly. And then, and we edited it all together. It took yeah. us. It, it took us about right. a year to edit it because we're everybody in, involved yeah, the, is so busy. The, the whole thing took only about two hours oh, yeah. to shoot. You know, it came together very quickly. It's pretty but, cool uh, too. Yeah, so you can uh, you can see that video. Oh on, yeah, uh, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, Ty Manning music. Uh, YouTube. Just a Tom Petty song away is the title of it. And, uh, so, uh, how about we uh, finish this thing up with a, a newfangler song that we all cover? Yeah, yeah. Hey, can I tell a story about yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead. I uh, well, I remember I came in when we were trying to think of a. Uh, we had all this, this. We had this concept album going, and we we. I was like, my my little my little part of the song was or of the concept album was. Everybody, when it was really going down, the story that we had this inspired it. Like everybody was talking junk, but nobody knew what was going on. They just people were talking, kind of like what they do on the internet now. Right, people right. just talking just to talk, but nobody really knew what happened for real. And Small so, town gossip. So I wrote, yeah. I wrote a chorus. I had the, I had that chorus. You know, once upon a time in a small town, nobody knows. I, I had that chorus part. And I said, like, "We all we gotta do is this is the chorus. We just need to write some verses." And I remember that night, we had like what, five or six, ten. We had a lot of people back there writing on that song. It's probably the songwriting highlight of my life. With all <laughs> it was like, and because everybody back there is like one of my heroes and friends, you know. It's like, well, let's do it. Let's see. If we can. All right, let's let's try it. Let's go out. Anybody who knows who's the who knows who the Fanglers are? New Fanglers. The New Fanglers, which you, you can also to... check out on. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, um, definitely. 
probably on uh, Spotify. It's on Spotify for Y'all CD about to get Baby, fangled. Uh, YouTube, all of the. We need to do a fangled show again. We'll get Paul Lee on bass if we can make it happen. Chunky beaver mudfish. <laughs> Oh, well, a newspaper headlines read today. Old Silas Rain is bound to hang. From the first Baptist church to the last liquor store. Everybody's talking, but no one's sure. Driving out by the rainy yesterday All it's was bailing hey. <laughs> Alright uh, start we, we can start over on this, can't you? Can you can edit that out, can't you? Probably not. Probably not. Are we you were talking me? while you're starting. Huh? We're talking while you're starting. Just go ahead, start over. Okay. <laughs> this is what people want to see. Yeah, okay. Just start with your verse. Oh. We're gonna Driving out there by the rainies yesterday. <laughs> Old Silas Rainy was bailing hay. How can he go on knowing what he's done? Hollis ain't even cold down in the grave Once upon a time in a small town It don't take long for everybody knows Good or bad shit gets around When you live round here, that's the way things go Nobody knows We all suppose He was the one that fired the gun That ain't how I heard shit went down You know how I spread around this town Hollis's number days Came from Hollis's smart ass ways That's why he's face down in the ground Once upon a time in a small town It don't take long for everybody knows Good or bad shit gets around When you live around here that's the way things go Nobody knows We all suppose 
fired the gun Yes, it was said Nobody knows, 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 knows We all suppose He was the one that fired the gun That just happened, folks. <laughs> How old is that song? About 15 years. Wow. It's a teenager. Or so. What'd you say? Old enough to drink. <laughs> old enough to drink. <laughs> old enough to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Not anymore. Maybe 21. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I never smoked a cigarette anyway. Me either. I'm just surprised we're still all alive amid this coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. The world right. of... Uh, we may be homeless by the end of it, <laughs> losing all these gigs. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Are, are we six feet away from each other? Oh, yeah. I don't want to connect. Uh, this is social distancing. Uh, at its finest. This place, this place is, looks a lot smaller on TV. Yeah. Wink. I was out at the uh, the grocery store picking up some some staples uh, uh, amid this coronavirus, and I had a I thought, well, the dogs have got to eat too, so I got me a big old bag of dry dog food and was waiting in line. This lady in front of me in line turned around and says, "You got a dog?" And I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like dry dog food. Yeah. This this is gonna be this gonna, gonna have some fun. Yeah. So I said. Well, actually, I'm going back on my dog food diet. Uh, I tried it a few years ago, and I mean, uh, I almost died. They put me in the hospital. But when you think about it, it's ideal. I mean, you can just get you a scoop full and put it in your pocket, and just as you're walking around, you get hungry, you just take out a couple, of, couple of kibbles and bits and nibble on them, you know. And uh, she said, well, did it poison you? You was in the hospital. What happened? I said, oh, no, no. I just bent over to sniff a bulldog's ass and got hit by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Wow. <laughs> hey, before we end this thing, I got to say something for Paul Lee. Can I do that? Yeah. All right. Last night I talked to Paul Lee, and he tours around the world law. And with my heart, he, my heart, uh, he didn't want to come over here just in case. He didn't want to infect, infect me with whatever he thinks right. he might have or possibly could have. But he, we were talking on the phone last night, and we were thinking about what I, we were going to talk about. And uh, I think I told you earlier, but he, uh, me and Paulie, he, his Rachel and him wanted to hear me tell a story about a biker party we played when we were at school in Alabama. Have it, have at it. Alabama biker party, woo! <laughs> All right, uh, no, but we got we got hired to play this biker party. When me and Paul went to college in Alabama, we were both in the marching band out there, and we started this band, probably the most talented band I've ever been in because everybody in the band was in marching band. Right. It, was, it was like three or four Paul Lees in one band, and uh, we had a guy that played trumpet. Like we we're like southern rock band, and he's playing trumpet. But uh, no, but we were playing that. We got hired to play this biker rally, Southern Breeze Motorcycle Club. And they were in that movie Stone Cold with uh, Brian Bosworth, the football player guy. Right. They were the extras in that movie. But they had this big party, and we get out there. It's Labor Day party. We played for three days. It was a three-day party. And we show up. Um, 
place is just surrounded with bikers and they got an armed guard and we're like we were scared that we were gonna get shot or die <laughs> but we played it's probably the funnest thing we ever did and this there was but there was this one lady and she kept informing us she's way wasted drunk but she kept informing us that she used to date the drummer for the nitty-gritty dirt band <laughs> okay which is one of the things you can't make up we're at a biker party in alabama <laughs> where ex-girlfriend or groupie of the nitty-gritty dirt band yeah, that'd be uh jimmy fadden or jimmy mcfadden i think was <laughs> wow yeah, like, nitty-gritty dirt me, band music, music knowledge is amazing <laughs> no but i don't know why i remember this lady's name but paul was I, I said it to paul last night and but she was obsessed with our drummer who was like he looked like he was he's the youngest guy in the band he shed a thing for drummers she had a thing for drummers, I guess, but she kept, she wanted to, she's sitting right by his hi-hat, like, the whole time. She's wasted drunk, but she kept going, bounce them hi-hats, boy, bounce them hi-hats. You ain't doing it right. I I know drummers. And so finally, he, he kept saying, by God, let it come on, get off me. And I finally asked her what her name was, and she said her name was Chunky Beaver. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we could call her Mudfish. <laughs> Thank you. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. But Chunky oh. Beaver, Chunky Beaver, Mudfish. Wow. No, we, later that night, she won. She won a him. contest that I won't talk about. But Is it uh, the uh, nickname lottery. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we they they did have a party. That they did, they had a uh, they had a wedding when we got done. They they came. We were in the middle of a song. And they came over. They said, "Hey." We want the band to come with us. We're having a wedding. And we're like, what? And they took us to the back of this field, like, like way far away from where we were. And, and they wake, woke these two people up out of a tent, and they married them. They had made rings and everything. But apparently earlier in the night, they had passed out before they were supposed to get married. And so they went and woke them up in the middle of the, <laughs> the lottery. But I should probably stop talking right there. Oh, well. <laughs> Love you, Paul. Rachel. Well, this. Uh, Dory. This uh, episode of uh, Something in the Water goes out to the Chunky Beaver Mudfish. <laughs> Bouncing my hats. Wherever you are now. Bouncing high hats. There, there's, a, there's a song we need to write tonight. <laughs> well, I reckon it's time for another oh, yeah. hey, tale gotta, of the week. Y'all get art, too. I, I, don't, I didn't tell y'all that on the way yeah, in. Yeah, you did, too. Both of y'all got one. I know y'all are Grand Parson people, so I brought you some Grand Parsons art. Y'all can arm wrestle. Y'all should arm wrestle right now. For, Right. Or just draw a card. I'm arm wrestling right now in my mind. Actually, we should probably have social distancing. <laughs> I just <Yeah>. won. <laughs> Read us a story, Dave. All right. Tale of the week this week comes from Not in the Book. Uh-oh. <clears throat> you all have to uh, I, I buy glasses to match my shirts nowadays. <laughs> I thought you had lens glasses. No, man. Blinging. All right. There's a growing trend, at least in my neck of the woods, in musicians turned wedding officiators, spurred on by nothing more than the simple wishes of friends, fans, or family of certain artists. Their wish is for that special artist to perform the ceremonial nuptials on their special day. I started hearing about this phenomenon about eight years ago when my singer-songwriter buddy and Pine Box Dweller feller Sean Clark was handpicked to officiate Brandon Doty and Lindsey Cox's wedding at the Atlanta Botanical Garden on June 17, 2010. There you go. On June 9, 2012, Tyrus J. Manning III, former barefoot hooker and current Slaw Dog Biscuit, 
joined the ranks of the reverends performing his first ceremony for Christy Hanchy's wedding in Hanchyville, just outside Hoboken, Georgia. Complete with a Jim Beam toast and in lieu of rice or birdseed, the newlyweds were showered with pork rinds. <laughs> My wife had been after me for a while to have a vow renewal ceremony. Time or place was not so important. She just wanted it to happen. So I finally agreed that we'd do it in between acts at the third annual Swamp Town Get Down Music and Arts Festival, one of two outdoor music festivals I host in my hometown of Waycross, Georgia. We chose our dear musician friend and wedding officiant, Ty Manning, to do the honors. It was a beautiful and heartfelt occasion, and when it was over, Ty pulled me to the side and asked if I would return the favor at his wedding, planned to be held later that year at the Georgia Theater in Athens. I told him I would love to, but there was one problem. I didn't have the credentials. No problem at all, said the veteran musician minister. You just go to universallifechurch.com on your computer, pay them $58.63, and you're in. It was as simple as that. I didn't treat it lightly at all, though, being raised in a Christian family and spending nearly every Sunday and Wednesday at Calvary Baptist Church while I was growing up. I knew that I was duty-bound to be as serious as a waterlogged preacher in a baptismal pool if I was going to go through with it. The day of the wedding came, so Lynn and I motored up Highway 441, allowing enough time to get us there with no worries. We were cruising along in our son Connor's little black Honda Accord when somewhere just the other side of Milledgeville, a big log truck pulled lazily into our path, forcing me to peel dangerously over to the shoulder of the road. Without losing speed, I eased past the unconcerned log driver to my left, hanging halfway out my window, horn blaring with my middle finger hung defiantly in his direction. From that moment on, my wife dubbed me the irreverent reverend, <laughs> and I've been praying for forgiveness ever since. I've married several couples since that first one, Sean and Bess Clark in my living room, Sherry and Chris Davidson holding an umbrella in the Marshawn rain. Kelsey and Caleb Barnard in the hospital room. Charlie and Jordan Bell under a gazebo on a lovely Wearsboro pond. Caitlin and Dwayne Hamlin, two warm hearts outside in the cold. And Audrey and Brandon Jones. All the weddings are memorable, but the Jones wedding was most memorable. It was held on a beautiful April afternoon outside the historic Jekyll Island Club Resort Hotel and overlooking the waters of Fancy Bluff Creek with many friends, loved ones, and sand gnats in attendance. <laughs> Surrounded by such loveliness and perfection, just before the vows were recited, I was reading a special passage that I had written comparing the marriage couple to the great loves in country music history. I says, It happened for June and Johnny, Graham and Emmy Lou, Uncle Dave and Aunt Lynn, and lifting my eyes from the script, I said, and it happened for Brandon and Ashley. <laughs> I, sensed some, uh, I sensed something was wrong when I saw the bride-to-be, Audrey, looking nervously <laughs> at me, that. waiting on a punchline or some explanation for my errant name-calling. Even wedding ministers are human, especially this one. Audrey was so very gracious, lightening the mood with a quick smile and saying, whoever Ashley is, she's too late. We carried on. Brandon and Audrey Jones are still happily married, and the young couple 
have a son. Well, that blows my last line, okay? If it, was a, if it had happened to be a girl, I suspect that Ashley is, was definitely not on the list of considered <laughs> names. <laughs> Folks. Hey, uh, that, uh, their kid was at the Swamp Town thing, and yeah, it, he was Lewin. loving it, man, loving yeah. it. Jumping up and down. He's a great kid. Now, Y'all, y'all are weddings. I got. Uh, I did a, the first, uh, second wedding. I did. They go, yeah, we're gonna. It's one of my old students or former students, who's actually a teacher now. She's awesome. But they, they asked me to come do the wedding, and they're like, it's just gonna be a little wedding in the backyard. And I get there, and it's like this huge tent, and there's like all these bridesmaids and everything. And uh, they had a wedding planner lady and a, a, a bunch of preachers in the family, and it was just really awkward because I went from doing like. You know, commando style overalls throwing pork rinds, and now, then I went through to like a real like country wedding in the backyard with, you know, mm -hmm. with some church that, with some church involved. You know, and so I, I remember I, they said, "Oh yeah, we want you to do this, and you're gonna do the vows." And they even had they had a Harlem Shake. That's how long ago it was. But they, <laughs> but in they go, sometime before we eat, we want you to say a prayer and bless the food. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I was like, I can do that. And then I remember I going off. I remember going to the thing. I, I called John Tonge because he's like my connection to church. Then you know, like, John, I'm at this wedding. They think I'm a real reverend. Like, what do I do? And he goes, Well, just bless the food. Say, you know, dear God, you know, bless the food for what we're about to eat. And so, and then he said, Add something Thaiish in there, and it'll be cool. So I went in there. And I said, um, Let's all bow our heads. You know, we're gonna like. God, you know, please bless this food for the nourishment of our body. And, uh, you know, I'd like to thank everybody for coming to celebrate this day with, you know, Caitlin and uh, her husband. And let's keep this party going. Amen. <laughs> and I thought, I just said, keep this party going in a prayer. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, I went over, I was fixing my plate of food because they let you go first when you're a reverend. And this, like, I guess he's like 70-year-old preacher guy walks up in his suspenders and pants way up high and he's like I'm gonna have to steal that prayer <laughs> like, let's keep this party going bam oh, uh, no. I, I don't know I just thought you were talking about weddings I figured I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd add a little amen at the end well, amen to that everybody y'all keep this party going this is fun we thank you for tuning in thank you Ty yeah thank, thank you all. love y'all and uh Hope you'll join us again for our next podcast. And uh, like, share, subscribe. Rate and review. Rate, rate and, and review. review. Yeah, share this video. If you've watched the whole thing, you're awesome. Give yourself a hug. <laughs> See you soon. Man, the cold black wall.